the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you, as always, by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about finances and wealth. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE, Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, member SIPC. My name is Mike Giannetti. We're going to talk some baseball. Because finally, there is money, big money. Let's talk about wealth and finance. When there are pitchers, there is money, and owners are shelling it out in December. Uh, This is a rarity. We've had two dud free agent seasons with Major League Baseball. Talk about how the prices have been slashed, how the premiums have dropped. I've I've thrown out a few tweets this week that uh, we can speak to a little bit in terms of how money has come in the last 10 years, in the last eight years, in all the sports, specifically with baseball. Um, and it's clear as day that when pitchers need money, pitchers get money. So we're going to talk Garrett Cole. We're going to talk Steven Strasburg. And oh, by the way, Anthony Rendon late last night, if you uh, are just waking up to that, seven years, $245 million with the Angels. We'll talk a little bit about that. Then we're going to bring in Scott Allen and talk a little NFL because uh, that's what the people want. And that's the time of year it is. Not so much what's happening right now, but what may be happening in a couple of months. Um, I've got a big piece on SpotTrack.com. Potential extension candidates, potential roster bubble players. I went team by team and identified at least one player from each element there. Uh, Worth a contract, could be on the roster bubble. We'll talk about a few of the notables in that piece. And then Joe Corey, our uh, salary cap expert buddy, has projections for franchise tags next year. And that's relevant because I believe there's at least one, possibly two quarterbacks who are going to be on a tag, uh, a couple of wide receivers, maybe a few running backs. There's some really interesting scenarios to break down from a team standpoint. Joel's got some projected numbers based on the $200 million cap that we think is going to hit next year. So we'll finish off with that. And uh, let's talk baseball. Garrett Cole. We knew he was going to be the prized possession. 200 and excuse me, $324 million. Uh, we had him projected obviously way lower because the, the market needed to be reset after, like I said, a couple of dud years. He's certainly done that. Steven Strasburg went out and uh, set the base at 35 million a year. And he, he got seven years because of his injury history, because of his inconsistency to some degree, seven years is still too many, but that's, you know, what, what you're going to get on the free agent market. And Garrett Cole said, hold my beer, <laughs> right? Garrett Cole got nine and he got 36 million a year. It's not, you know, rocket science, how this was all sort of laid out. Scott Boris knows what he's doing. Uh, he represents everybody we're talking about today. Everybody. He is a $50 million man this December already because of four ma- massive free agent contracts. So, um, you know, not a bad day to be a, a, a top major league baseball agent right now. He knows what he's doing. Scott Boris had Strasburg take the trip, take the tour. We talked about it here. It was pretty much just smoke and mirrors. He was out there to set a bar, set a baseline, get the top dollar from other suitors, not name the Washington Nationals. He did that. Um, he was able to, to push things up to $35 million a year. And the second that happened, Boris knew he could go back to the Yankees and the Angels and say, all right, the new line is 36. You guys figure out who gets them based on how long these contracts are going to be. We're not going to defer any money. We're going to have an opt-out in there for my player after five years. He's going to have a full no trade clause. All of those things came true. The Angels reportedly went eight years, so right around the $300 million mark. 
and the uh, Yankees pushed it up to thir- to nine years. So three hundred twenty four million. It's fully guaranteed if Cole wants to stay. Like I said, there is a fifth year option opt out for him. We don't yet have the yearly breakdown. Um, I'm interested to see if it's somewhat front loaded, similar to how Bryce Harper's deal looks. We'll see. Um, it's way too long. <laughs> you know, if I have to put a negative spin on this, it's certainly way too long. But uh, you know, where five, six, ten years ago, these free agent contracts were going into players' forties, forties age. Garrett Cole is going to be 37 when this is all done. So there's a chance. Look, Verlander's 37. And Verlander was the runner-up in the Cy Young. So um, we'll see. We'll see. There's a chance that this is a phenomenal contract. And in five years, $36 million is top 10 money, not number one money. So we'll, we'll see. I, it's going to take a few of these big, big young arms to come forward and have the kind of back-to-back years that Cole had and Strasburg had. Um, this was lightning in a bottle in terms of a free agent pitcher market. So I don't think anybody's, you know, super surprised that we, we are where we are. Um, but it's a big number. So it's certainly worth talking about. Uh, good for the Yankees. This was clearly the, the, the piece that they needed. I still think they need one more. I think they need to replace one of their not-so-great arms with a better arm. They're already over the luxury tax threshold, so they might as well lean into it at this point and really go all in on this position specifically because they do have some surplus in the outfield, and it does sound like they're bringing back Brett Gardner. So I I have to imagine that there's a piece to be moved. Now, look, they've got two or three prospects and and some Major League Baseball-ready prospects like Miguel Andujar, um... Clint Frazier, a couple of of younger arms, uh, a shortstop in the system. Those are all, you know, pieces people want. Uh, It's possible and maybe likely at this point that they are scouring the league right now, offering up a few of those prospects in order to get Giancarlo Stanton off this payroll. Now, that is not just a good financial move because it would essentially bring them to the threshold, the luxury tax threshold. So, A, it's, it's a strong business move. And, B, I, I just don't think from a baseball standpoint they need that, that bat anymore. They just don't. I think a few of these players that they weren't expecting to break out as they did last year did. Um, look, they moved on from Greg Bird in three years. That was their, their big bat prospect five, six years ago coming up through the system. Uh, the acquisition of Luke Voigt for you know a bag of peanuts essentially <laughs> superseded that in about a year and a half. So, um. Now, Voight's, Voight's a player they can move as well. There's a, they're just, there's a surplus. They've sort of been it, – it's a, a, a little bit the Patriots' way where they just sort of said, we're going to get everybody, everybody on, on, a, on a decent contract. Let's bring them all in and see if we can get one of these guys to play out at top value that many of them have. Labor Torres is a star. Um, you know, Aaron Hicks was mediocre – as a, as a prospect coming up in the Minnesota Twins organization, comes to the Yankees, and he's above average at, you know, at the minimum. There's times when he's one of the best Yankees on the field. So, like I said, there's a surplus across the board. There are kids in the system that they can't even get into the lineup right now. I have to imagine from a business and a baseball standpoint, they are trying to move Giancarlo Stanton. We'll see. It's <laughs> Crazier things have happened. Um, but it's not going to be easy. They're going to have to sweeten the pot quite a bit, and they may have to pay some of that payroll off as well. So 
to me, that's a move that's coming. I do think um, a Jay Happ trade is coming. It sounds like his old uh, his old team, the, the Blue Jays, are, are inquiring about him. Um, they're going to pay a few of those dollars off to make to sweeten that deal a little bit. I, I wonder if there's another pitcher yet to come. I just I think uh, if you're going to go this big, and you love your team as much as you do, then you you add the depth. You add one more piece to go with it. Uh, let's switch gears though to the team that didn't get Garrett Cole, who many thought were going to, myself included, and that's the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, Garrett Cole's hometown, as big a need at pitcher as the Yankees. Just it just really made sense. At times they've they've overspent right for Pujols for Justin Upton, uh, the list goes on and on. You know they've shown that every two or three years they're willing to go all in. Certainly they tried. Like I said, I believe they offered eight years and about three hundred million dollars, which that's probably the the right contract. It's just that the Yankees went one more year on it to to make it a little bit of a crazier contract. The Angels look at one of these teams is going to be regretting this move in four years. Uh, right halfway through this contract either the either the Yankees you know heavily overpaid for a player who is already in decline or the Angels really missed the boat on not bringing in the superstar number one ace they're going to try okay like I said they've they've brought in Rendon that's an incredible bat to put in front of Mike Trout just an incredible bat all right I mean he is a he is quiet with a big stick right um Five tool player. He's going to hit home runs. He's going to hit doubles. He's going to leg out. He's going to work hard. And oh, by the way, he's an A plus defensive third baseman. So uh, anybody who gets a guy like that and pays a good price for it, you know, there's nothing to complain about. Except we, the Angels have to get a pitcher. They have to get two pitchers. Okay, they have a couple of nice pitchers in the in the fold right now. They need superstars. It has never been more evident than the last five World Series, okay, the last five, how important it is to have an experienced veteran star pitcher. It's just, look at the bats can get you to October, but you can't win October without pitching, without two starting pitchers. You just can't do it, all right? The Nationals were a nobody in June, and uh, a couple of things started to, started to roll their way. They snuck into the playoffs, and Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin were better than anyone else. That's just a fact, all right? Even the Houston pitching staff, which was as dominant on paper, all right? When you've got three starters in October, your chances of winning are very, very high. Uh, the Angels don't have that right now. They do have the bats. They do. Um, their lineup looks great on paper right now, and I'm guessing they're not done because there are small pieces they can fill in the blanks here now and in July at the deadline to make this thing even better, but they need pitchers right now. So Hung Jin Ryu, Madison Bumgarner, if it's a trade for a guy like David Price or Corey Kluber, um, you know, two out of those four, in my opinion, have to be on the, in an Angels uniform in March. Two out of the four. They need two top-of-the-rotation players. So, uh, look, I'm not just saying this so that my Mike Trout, my Mike Trout rookie card continues to increase in value because, uh, you know, he's doing everything he can with three MVPs and every uh, accolade you can have early in his career. He's just got to get to the postseason, right? I think all of us as baseball fans just want to see this guy have a nice long season and uh, some primetime visibility. He he's des- he deserves it for sure. And you put a bat like Rendon in front of him, he's going to be even better. There's no way around it. He's going to be even better. So let's get some pitchers on this, on this organization. 
that can really push the envelope and, can, and compete and contend. So that's what we'll say there. Uh, not too much else to say about the Steven Strasburg deal outside of the fact that there are deferrals. And those deferrals are really what, what kept Anthony Rendon out of Washington, okay? There are just some players and some agents and some organizations that, that are, are very much against deferred money, right? They're not, they don't want to play the, their hand on interest rates and, uh, and money down the line. Um, they want cash in hand now, fully guaranteed, built into their contracts now, not later. I can understand it. Uh, to me, it shouldn't be a... It shouldn't be a factor that keeps you off of a team, and I'm sure it wasn't. I, I have to imagine that the uh, the Nationals just simply couldn't, didn't think they could afford or wanted to afford the contracts of Scherzer, of Strasburg, and then this for Rendon outside of Patrick Corbin as well, which is about the same as Rendon here. Um, so you can understand both sides of this. It's probably not a bad time for Rendon to wipe his hands clean of all this anyway. I mean, he's, he took them to the finish line. He was, he was the veteran position player, uh, you know, especially after Harper left. He became the, the face of that, of that team from a positional standpoint. And he's just, like I said, he's soft-spoken. We don't really know too much about Anthony Rendon. He's not a vocal leader publicly. Maybe he is in the locker room, maybe. Um, but it just seems like he, he did his job there. He took Washington to a place that I don't think anybody expected any, you know, them to go, especially last season. And if Washington's going to pick one of the two, I, no one's going to argue with them picking the pitcher. After everything I just said, after everything we know, after what the stats bear out, you, you just pick the pitcher. You just do, all right? Anthony Rendon is impossible to replace. He is top echelon defensive, top echelon offensive. They're going to try. They're going to put a guy like Josh Donaldson there, which is going to be good. I mean, very good. He's been... He's been underratedly great everywhere he's gone the past three, four years. He's got some injury problems, but who doesn't? And uh, if he's the guy they, they slot in there at five, $6 million less per year, then good for them. Good for everybody, really. I mean, Rendon in an Angels uniform is good. It's, good. it's very good. We want that team to be better out there. We want that to be – we want the Angels to be as competitive as the Dodgers. We just do. It's a big, gigantic market in baseball. Um, you know, guys like Poolholz and Trout are super easy to like and super easy to root for. Um, you just want you want everything else to work around it, and hopefully this is the start of it. Rendon's a great get. Um, the since 2010, the Nationals have deferred nine players, have not, nine contracts, eight players, nine contracts have had deferred money included in it, including two for Steven Strasburg now. So it's something they do. My teams have their things. Front offices have their things. This is something the Nationals do. Um, is it going to keep players from coming? I don't know. Maybe th that'll be something that starts to get around the league a little bit more, that, you know, this is something Washington does. This is These are the reasons we don't like it, and uh, go somewhere else. I, I, don't, I don't imagine that's, like I said, that shouldn't be a factor that keeps somebody away. But, it, you know, players and agents may not love it, is my point. A lot of teams are doing it. Some teams have gotten away from it. The Dodgers only have three in the past 10 years, and that's something they used to do quite a lot back in the day. So uh, I, don't, I can't speak from a front office standpoint as to you know, the benefits of doing it now versus then. Um, I just imagine the revenue is bigger now, right? And you can afford to front load a lot of this stuff and probably should. And as we go on, I have to imagine that the goal is going to be front load even more to, to shorten these contracts. 
Okay, I, we're going to go through another iteration here of these contracts, like I said, four or five years into the eight-year deal. I mean, look at Harper, 13 years. At one point, are we, at what point of that contract are we going to be here, sitting here saying, well, this is no longer working out? Okay, is it going to be five years? Is it going to be 10? I'm not sure. But there's going to be a point, and those points, those thresholds to where the contracts just don't meet the money anymore or even come close to the money, that's what has to start to, to the gap has to close a little bit, okay? If you, need to in, if you need to increase the annual average, which does impact your luxury tax, of course, but if you need to increase that annual average to shorten the contract lengths, to me, that's the next step for baseball for financially. Uh, it's where basketball has gotten to, football's getting there. Football's getting so much better at this. And I know I hammer on the NFL contracts a lot, but they really are getting better at trimming the fat off the back ends of those contracts. And we'll see if that improves even more in March. But um, that's the next step for baseball is these nine-year deals for Cole could have been a five-year really high impact field deal. And look, it might be. Like I said, we haven't seen the, the yearly structure on that. It might be that the first five years are very impactful from a salary standpoint. And then the last four trail off a little bit, which would make it a five-year big money deal that he can opt out of after. Uh, if that's the way it's going, great. If that's the precedent Scarecrow Cole has set now with this Yankees contract, that's very good for baseball uh, from a player standpoint. That's what we want. That's what we want. So we'll see. We'll, uh, we'll keep up on that from a st uh, structure standpoint and uh, push that out on Twitter and I'm sure speak to it on the shows. But that's enough baseball. That's, uh, that's plenty. That's more than I thought we'd have in December 12th. I'll give you that. Uh, good for good for Scott Boris getting out there, getting on his horse, and getting this thing done. Um, he has signed, now signed Mike Moustakis to sixty-four million dollars. Zach Wheeler, excuse me, not Zach Wheeler, Steven Strasburg to two hundred forty-five million dollars. Anthony Rendon to two hundred forty-five million dollars, and Garrett Cole to three hundred twenty-four million dollars. So, when you've got almost nine hundred million dollars worth of contracts in two weeks' work, uh, you have done your job. <laughs> have a nice holiday, Scott Boris. All right, let's uh, bring in Scott. We're going to talk some NFL. Like I said, we're going to go through some extensions, some roster bubbles, some franchise tags. We're going to go across the board a little bit, a lot of money, uh, and speak to some notable players. But I wanted to remind you that today's episode is also brought to you by The Athletic, who are also doing plenty of NFL futures and off-season work right now, not to mention all the day-to-day -day and week-to-week. -week. The Athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage for all of you real sports fans. Get detailed coverage of every trade, free agent signing, and storyline on all of your favorite teams, as well as all the expert analysis from national writers like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, and Pierre Lebrun. Plus, deep insights from all the analytic guys, former executives John Hollinger, Seth Partnow, and all the rest. You get 40% off today for your first year by going to theathletic.com slash spottrack 40 off. That's theathletic.com slash S-P-O-T-R-A-C 4-0-O-F-F. All right, welcome to the show, Scott. Just finished off a lot of the baseball talk here in terms of Garrett Cole, Stephen Strasburg, Anthony Rendon. You are based out of the, well, the, the D.C. proximity. Did the Nationals do, do right by the, uh, the team here? Is this the right decision? <laughs> I really wanted both of them to come back, uh, meaning Strasburg and greedy. Rendon. Greedy. It is, it is greedy. 500 million. You know, if I had to have picked one, I think I would have, I know pitchers are where it's at right now, but Rendon's defense is yes. just unbelievable. So I, I really wanted them to keep Rendon. Um, I'm sad that 
he's gone. Uh, that probably that deferral money was the the kicker. Sounds that like he it was a big deal to him. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I've heard. Um, but at least we got one out of the two. Don't you think retain- it was a little bit Kawhi Leonard too, though? Don't you think it was? You know, I, I've gone through my lumps here. Um, and I, I got this team to the top, especially without Bryce Harper. Right. I mean, I mean, he was essentially the veteran, sort of the grandfather in that locker room at that point, from a positional standpoint, I just feel like, you know, there's no, there's no going higher than that. Right. Right. You win the world series, you're at the top of the echelon. You can essentially go wherever you want. And I mean, he's going to play with Mike Trout. How many players can say that They've signed long term and they're going to be playing with arguably one of the best players of all time. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, kudos, kudos to him. He got his money and he's going out west where going to have some nice weather and you're playing with one of the best players ever. Yeah. I spoke a little bit about the pitching versus the hitting. Um, I mean, it's real, <laughs> right? I, I understand every team that's that's going big on pitching right now because the numbers bear out. I guess my only concern is a lot of the numbers we're looking at when we talk about pitchers, you know, being being way more worth their dollar than the position player is they were excluded of this Tommy John era. And, and I'm I'm a little interested to see how this works out the next three, four years. Right. When these Tommy John era pitchers now get their big time payday. Now, Garrett Cole is an exclusion, obviously. Uh, but yeah, what? 60% of, of the major pitchers have had surgery. Is that probably right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have no data in front of me. I'm just guessing based on being a baseball fan that it's probably around that number. Uh, are we going to get to a point where, you know, signing more than five years into your free agency is just ludicrous because of this injury history? I, that To me, that's something to keep an eye on here, especially with a guy like Strasburg, who's got what two surgeries, I believe. Um, we'll see. I understand the need to go seven years when a leverage standpoint comes in, but uh, that, to me, that's the only concern with signing these particular pitchers in this generation because they've got baggage and miles and surgeries on, uh, you know, on their resume. Yeah, I was going to say the mileage is the big thing. I mean, these pitchers are signing seven, eight, nine years, and by the time you get to the end of those years, yeah. the arm's going to be worn out. Where are they going to go? Um, you're going to have all that money that you're going to have to – fork over for uh, dead well, arm I just essentially if it's, I, to me this is why you had that little blip two years ago where teams tried to pay relief pitchers instead of starting pitchers is because right. they were they were trying to reduce the mileage of the starting pitcher and and, and in essence reduce their pay as well it didn't work <laughs> pro tip starting pitchers are way better than relief pitchers um it's just you know the nature of the beast when you have four pitches instead of two you're a better pitcher um, by the way, speaking of mileage and baggage, incredible piece on Real Sports of an HBO, the documentary show on every month. December on the December show, I want to give a shout out here. They speak to youth sports and players that only play one sport as a kid and hammer out one sport every season: fall, spring, summer, winter. They're playing basketball mm-hmm. wall to wall. They're playing baseball wall to wall as a nine-year-old all the way up. Uh, the injury history is unbelievable. They are not going to Division One schools, and they are not making the the professional leagues. <laughs> okay, the, the the need to diversify the different sports you play or the different activities you do as a kid is is apparently there's there's real data now. There's like 15 years of real data. There's a TED talk to go with it. 
Um, yeah, it's a real, yeah. it's a real thing now. And, and doc, the documentary was incredible and it, uh, it, it sort of ties into what we're talking about here. Like guys like Bryce Harper and Strasburg, they, they've been professional baseball players since nine years old. Let's be honest here. Right. Yeah. I, I I'll truncate on that and say, um, I read a book called range that I heard about nice. by David Epstein. And it's all about whether it's the, Tiger Woods versus the Roger Federer model where you're always in on all golf or do you have a little bit of everything where you've played soccer, you played tennis, you did some other things. And I mean, it, it essentially is talking about, you know, people that are more diverse are more successful in general. Right. And I mean, that goes to what you're saying. I'm, I'm well, interested in checking it's, it's that the other side out. of it, right? Cause th- that's the aspect HBO didn't touch on, but it's clear as day the HBO piece was physical only, right? It, the physical demand that w- doing one thing for 15 years as a, as an, uh, an adolescent, as a, as a youth, the, the damage that it does physically, but also, yeah, mentally, you just need a break. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? If you're thinking baseball all year round as a nine-year-old straight up through 18 years old, and then your, your, your goal is to go and do it even more in college and in, in professional leagues, you just get burned out. You just, you have to get mentally burned out. So I, I definitely see that side of it as well. Well, yeah. And if what, 25, 30 years ago, athletes weren't really into, you know, you played your high school baseball and that's pretty much mostly where you started outside of some little rec league right. here and there. Right. The travel now, leagues killed everything. <laughs> now the travel leagues are starting at age five, six, seven. Sure. And so you have a, a span of an extra 10 years of mileage on arms and legs and whatever. So, yeah, I've got a nine-year-old daughter playing travel club softball now. And it is, it is unbelievable how immediate it becomes serious. You know what I, mean? Like, I mean, she had to sign a contract as a nine-year-old. Wow. So that she wouldn't go, go play for another team. Cause obviously we started in, in fall here for next summer and they've had kids leave in the middle of spring and go to a different team next year. Well, she had to sign a contract. Wow. That, that's that crazy. She uh, wouldn't stay, but I'm, I'm not letting her compete in the winter softball league. I'm, I'm having her ski because she, lo- mm-hmm. she wants to ski <laughs> and we all want to ski. Um, well, right. And that, and I, I mean, think, that I think that's an approach people. I mean, she's still going to practice softball every couple of t- couple days a week, but there's like a, there's like a weekend league where you can go and, you know, and actually compete. And I just think that's too much that she's going to hate softball by March. <laughs> well, that, and it's allowing her body to get a different hand eye coordination yeah. and sp- the essence of speed. And, and, yeah. and so it, it's helping her mind. And like you said, her body rest on the in-between. I mean, I played soccer and then I did swimming in the winter. So, I mean, and then I did soccer again. So I, I had two different complete sports that used two different things. So, I mean, it's definitely interesting. I'm going to check out that series. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should. It's really great. It's good stuff. Especially if you're a parent with some uh, kids getting into sports, it made you feel pretty bad if you, (laughs) if you're going down that path. Um, all right, let's talk football. Let's just give the people what they want here. Um, I did my, uh, what biannual 15,000 word piece here. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, a, a contract extension candidates versus roster bubble candidates. Every team I picked at least one player for, for each element here. Uh, let's talk quarterbacks because what else matters? Right. Uh, I want to start with this one. 
if you had to guess which which one extension or release candidate Kirk Cousins is, what would you think I put him at? Mm. <laughs> uh, based on conversations of listening to you, I think you're probably going to say extension. Yeah, yeah. Kirk Cousins is pretty good. Uh, and speaking of Washington players that have question marks, I, I know you've watched Kirk, plenty of Kirk Cousins. Uh, he, the Redskins just weren't good. <laughs> can, can we just say that? It's like Ryan yeah. Tannehill. It's the same conversation. H- how about Ryan Tannehill is just a good quarterback and the Dolphins stunk for a lot of years and still do. How about this is just he's Ryan Tannehill has never had Derrick Henry and never had AJ Brown and never had Jonu Smith. And the, the, these weapons around him right now are great weapons, you know, and I think the same thing is happening with Kirk Cousins. The numbers are about the same, which is incredible based on the talent he had in Washington versus Delvin Cook and Stefan Diggs and Kyle Rudolph. Um, so I, I, I just I can't imagine that the Vikings want to move on at this point. He's 31. His numbers are outstanding. Yeah, he's not winning big games, but none of the Vikings are, right? This isn't new. This isn't new to the Vikings. This is just a thing that the organization has to get past, and I don't think starting over a quarterback is the right decision. And if that's the case, then 2020 should be a year where Kirk Cousins get, gets extended. He's got a $31 million cap hit. It's the final year of his deal. It's fully guaranteed already, as we know. They can take that $30 million uh, salary, which is already guaranteed, convert it into some kind of bonus, move it down the line a little bit, tack on three years of this thing, lower the cap hit, and then they've got space to go and plug and play. You, you probably need another wide receiver weapon. To, I mean, I mean, they, you've seen how, how tough that offense has struggled with Adam Thielen injured mm-hmm. um, three, four weeks here. You probably need a weapon there. You probably have to replace Rudolph. He's, uh, he's a little past the prime now. So go and do it restructure your quarterback give yourself 10 to 12 million to work with and go and do it i i just think it makes perfect sense i know i'm gonna get some people back you know lashing out at me about how terrible kirk cousins is on monday night football fine (laughs) you know fine he's a heck of a quarterback in my opinion he's not an elite quarterback he's a heck of a quarterback and at 20 at 28 million dollars a year that's just fine right yeah yeah i'd rather have that and him over some of the uh, I mean, some of the low yes. quarterbacks that we're seeing right now that it's just, just or, brutal to watch. Or think about it. Think about the availabilities next year. Are you going to replace him with Andy Dalton? Are you going to replace him with Cam Newton? Are you going to be, are you going to take the fourth of best available quarterback in the draft? Cause that's where the Vikings are essentially going to be in the first round. Right. Are you going to take Jalen hurts? Is that what you're doing? I, I, you can do that. You can still draft a player if, if, if you're so inclined, I just think you better keep Kirk Cousins for two, at least two more years. So, and if you're going to do that, then extend him, lower that cap hit, give yourself some mm-hmm. cap flexibility because they're not great. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of new contracts on this payroll right now. So, your 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 projected cap for 2020 right now is negative 1.2. So, mm-hmm. if if you're uh, not in love with that, <laughs> it's probably time <laughs> to restructure your quarterback. Um, so, Kirk Cousins is is probably the big dog on the extension list right now. Um, and then other quarterbacks to follow are Dak Prescott, of course, um, Drew Brees. What are your thoughts on Drew Brees? He's 40. Uh, He's great. The arm strength <laughs> isn't there. You're starting to see a little bit more of the Tom Brady side of things here with Drew right, Brees, whereas yeah. he's not going downfield. And here's the problem with that. Where, where Tom Brady doesn't even have the weapons to go downfield, Drew Brees does. 
Drew Brees has a couple of kids that want to run go routes and post routes, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure Drew Brees can hit those anymore consistently. Um, so they have had to change the offense a little bit to, to sort of react to Brees. Uh, it just look at he, he's got 21 million plus of dead cap on this deal that it, that just voids. It's a voidable contract where the dead cap will hit in 2020. You got to remember, there's no post June 1st dead cap next year because of the CBA expiration. That means all 21 million would hit the Saints payroll in 2020 if Drew Brees retires, walks away, mm-hmm. and goes somewhere else. From that standpoint alone, not to mention the fact that he's still an elite quarterback outside of the, you know, like I said, the down the field stuff, that's reason enough to sign him, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, looking at his statistics, I mean, his passing yards per game is essentially the same that it's yeah. been the last he's making it work, right? two years. He's making it work. He has the weapons. I mean, he knows how to play yeah. outside of, like you said, going really deep. I mean, they're winning. Why, why would you change that formula right now until he ends up being, uh, just, yeah. you can't, you can't move forward with them. So I think you have to do some kind of extension and, and lessen that cap hit or that voidable. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. See, I, I think this is what's going to happen. Scott, I was thinking about this, how they might structure it because you don't want it. You, I mean, you can put, they've always pushed the cap down the line. They are restructure Kings in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been doing this since the CBA hit in 2011. So I'm not going to say they're not going to push cap down the line, but because they've already got, excuse me, 16 million of dead cap allocated to 2020. I mean, you can't just throw a $30 million salary on that and, and go forward. That's $46 million cap hit for next year. Uh, that ain't going to fly. So you're going to have to be a little bit creative with how you structure this. Um, they gave him a $13 million signing bonus last time and then some some bigger salaries to go with it. It may have to be the reverse a little this time. You may have to do like like 20 million in uh, twenty to $25 million in 2020 and then a little bit more in 2021 or vice versa. Maybe you just take all the cap next year. It just can't be. I mean, it can't be. Four. His cap hit right now is 21-3 with just dead cap. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can, you can probably live with 35 to $36 million on your cap for him. Do you think he takes a no hometown discount yeah. or just base minimum base salaries and well you know, let's say he took it, he took twenty five a year on this uh, in twenty eighteen so that was certainly team friendly so what is he taking thirty this time is it two for sixty is that the extension you know what I mean mm-hmm. I mean thirty million a year is like sixth in the league <laughs> well I, I was thinking you know you think it Brady esque. Yeah, where he knows it's the end of the line. He yeah. takes a he takes a two two year extension, and the cap hit remains in the low twenties, uh, sort of like with this extension, especially with the uh, cap that they released yesterday. As far as projections is going up forty percent or whatever. It so is. yeah, so uh, I almost think maybe. He, at the end of the career here, he he takes that knowing yeah. that he's got these weapons around him and that they're succeeding on the field and they have another chance at a Super Bowl. But who, who knows? Maybe if they win the Super Bowl this year, it changes sure. everything. You, you, you Peyton Manning it and get out of there, right? Right. Um, it's possible. Like I said, the, the problem is the dead cap. You're, even if you sign into a new contract, he's going to have $15 million of cap built into 2020 no matter what, without even mm. any, without any, without any cash. Right? right. So can you go 15 million more and make it a $30 million hit? Probably. 
Um, we'll see. I, uh, that's, it's an interesting conversation, not only for us, but also for the saints, because Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty darn good, right? At some point, it's just, it's just better to move on. No matter, even, even how great Drew Brees looks right now, Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty darn good. And if he's a guy that already knows the Sean Payton system, ugh, um, that's a tough call. But for now, well, I'm going to say Breeze gets extended. Okay. Can I, I'm going to transition. You, 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 yeah. mess, you mentioned, do they just uh, know when to end it and move on? <laughs> New England Patriots. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you have Tom Brady as a trade or release candidate. I mean, some people may find that interesting. Some may not. All right. Let, let, me, mean, let me clarify, by but the that's way. A, His contract automatically voids. So, you know, it, okay. it, it's just... My point in putting him there was I don't think they bring him back a a or b he it's time for him to retire right that that's that's my thinking there I, are you asking me if is he on another team next year <laughs> well, I, I don't I'll, know right and I don't think anybody knows i I was just bringing the the transition of the the Patriots know when to move on well they don't most. even have an, a backup yet they don't yeah. have a, they don't have a backup and and who, that may be something they look at in the draft or, you know, who knows, they may trade for somebody too. But I mean, I, they're, they're a team that knows essentially when to cut ties with players or move on ahead of time and uh, may, maybe we're at that time with him. Jared Stidham, right? That's the kid they drafted. Jared Stidham oh. out of Auburn, fourth round pick last year. Is he the 2020 starting quarterback for the New England Patriots? I, I want odds on this. I'm, I want odds. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> Somebody, out on a limb. And say Somebody no. give me odds on this. Yeah, but who else is it going to be? Andy Dalton? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they see someone that slips in the second round and they go f- for somebody else. Can you imagine them just rolling this thing over? I don't even want to talk about this anymore. All right. <laughs> I don't want to talk on. about this. <laughs> um, let's talk Chiefs. Because obviously the extension candidate everybody wants to see here is Mahomes. I didn't put him here. I didn't put him here for a couple of reasons. Number one, their defense is terrible. Chris Jones is not terrible. Uh, I think they have to keep this guy. Now, nobody wants to pay defensive linemen less than me. All right. I mean, I have destroyed this position over the past four years. Uh, it's just, to me, it's becoming a running back type situation where you get three or four guys at, at lower, lower cost and you rotate him with depth. But this guy's versatile. This guy's more Aaron Donald than he is anybody else. Um, he's inside out. He, he can brush. He can stop the run. Uh, he's been a good, good soldier with this whole situation. And, you know, he needed a contract last year. Um, there was a minimal holdout. He came back and did his thing. He's just flat out going to be a free agent, though. And to be quite honest, the Chiefs can't really afford a franchise tag right now. So while that might be a placeholder option, maybe they can afford that for two, three weeks in February. By the time it comes March and they've got to rebuild this defense to some degree, uh, I'm worried about this offseason for the Chiefs. I'm worried about it because the, 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 the narrative is going to be it's time for Mahomes to get $40 million a year. Well, they can't afford that right now either. So uh, we'll see. They, they made some questionable moves. For sure they're going to move on from Sammy Watkins, right? I mean, I, I made no mention here. Watkins is like the fourth best offensive weapon on that team right now. And he's, mm-hmm. he's got a $19.2 million cap hit. So that ain't going to work. Well, uh, especially I see you mention here, it, it can clear 14, 14 million, million. So you can get Chris Jones I mean, done on that. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you're, if, if your job is to, is to improve the defense next year, it, for me, start, it starts with signing Chris Jones. Uh, so that's, that's a complimentary move right there. You release Sammy Watkins. I don't think he's tradable on a $14 million salary. Uh, you release him, clear the $14 million, get yourself a new contract for Chris Jones, and then go from there. Um, just, I guess, just quick thoughts. Is Mahomes getting a contract this offseason? You've heard me talk about this too much. Uh, what are your thoughts there? I think, I, I think with how their space is right now, they push it off. Yeah. I think they, they, they're going to have some draft picks that they're going to have to sign as well in that 22, almost 22 and a half. Do they have their top 51? Um, well, I think with yeah. Sammy, I think he got, moves no, on I'm in picks. They've got everything but a seventh. Next oh year. yeah. They're good. Yeah. So I think out of all those picks, I mean, they're going to have to pay those guys. You mentioned the Chris Jones. It's if Sammy walks. They're going to, clear a little bit of space there if uh LaShawn McCoy he may he's done beyond the outs so you may have a little bit of room from not having to sign him again um I I think they they wait on Mahomes they try to build around him yeah. knowing that they're gonna have to pay him and on top of that not only is the cap increasing 40 percent this year but if it increases again right new tv money new cba fact, yeah Right. Who knows? It may go up 15 million, especially with if could be a bump, you know, right? TV and streaming or whatever ends up happening. There could be an extreme bump up where you could easily fit in Mahomes much better than you can now. So why lock it in now and strap yourself when you could deal with it next year? Yeah, I, I've been looking a little more here. They're going to restructure Tyreek Hill. He's got a big roster bonus next year. They're going to clear probably seven to eight million doing that. There's uh, there's money in the banana stand for uh, for Kansas City here for sure, but it's you know it's not going to be a ton to work with, but it's going to be doable. It, it's going to be more about who they pick, not not how they do it, right? I mean, it's they've got to do this mm-hmm. right. They've got an offense that can tick right now outside of a running game, and they I mean they have absolutely no running game. So they should be reading my article here to find out who's going to get cut because it's coming. They need. They need to probably draft a running back, you know, with the, uh, a mid-round, third, fourth-round pick, and also find a veteran option because I, d- I just don't think the LaShawn McCoy move was smart. It just wasn't a smart move for this team. Took up too much cap this year. That could have gone to a, a plug-and-play defensive lineman or, or a plug-and-play cornerback, and uh, they got to be smarter with how they treat their running backs going forward, in my opinion. We'll see. Interesting team to watch for sure. This is you know, a lot of these contenders have question marks for 2020. That's that's the one takeaway I took from writing this piece is, you know, you've got your duds, your 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 Dolphins and your Bengals who are you, you kind of know what they're they're going to do. I mean, they might rip it down a little bit more before they build back up. Uh, but then you've got your teams in the middle, too. And let's flip to that switch. Let's flip to Carolina. Uh, I'm a little confused <laughs> with Carolina. Um, I think they are too. Well, here's what's <laughs> happening. They're, they're extending people. So they extend Shaq Thompson. They're going to extend, I, I believe at least one or two more players in the next two weeks defensively. So, and look, it's probably not a, not a coincidence that the interim head coach is the defensive coordinator. Um, and he's talking up the, you know, the players that he likes for the next regime. The problem is we don't know what that regime is going to be. And generally speaking, when a new coaching staff comes in, everything gets, you know, moved around. I mean, players are moved, systems change. 
so I'm a little confused as to why they're pulling the trigger on some of these contract extensions right now, uh, knowing that there might be you know a ton of changeover. There, the two names on this list for Carolina, though, couldn't be sexier. All right, the extension candidate is Christian McCaffrey. He becomes extension eligible after this year, after 2019, so in about a month. Uh, if and when, I mean, it's, it's an if, right? Every running back contract is an if now, even this guy. But he's going to reset the market. He's, he, val- he values in our system, Scott, at $18 million a year. That's, mm. that's like the fourth best wide receiver, not just running back. Not, it's $3 million more than any running back. But it is upper echelon wide receiver money. That's how this is Le'Veon Bell before he before he held out. That's where we are with Christian McCaffrey and, and his valuation. It's Le'Veon Bell before he held out. That held out completely destroyed his value. Um, I don't imagine that's going to happen with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, no, and I and I think Carolina. If you're Carolina, you want this kid. Do you, you? want to happen? I think so. I mean, he's a he's a game changer from everything I've watched with him. Um. I mean, I, we haven't really seen him have injuries. Um, I, I, at eighteen million a year, I'd be nervous too. Yeah, I, I don't really care about the number because, you, like, you, I mean, you just laid out how much the cap is going up. I'm, I'm just nervous. Nervous. Here's the thing, and I was trying to think about. It. I did a tweet this week about running backs. Um, any team that has a running back that's been drafted high is mm-hmm. terrible right now. They're terrible and. Look, that's not a one-to-one thing. It's not apples to apples, okay? The, uh, you know, the New York Giants aren't terrible because they have Saquon Barkley. Um, and I was trying to think about uh, putting a little bit more substance to it. Well, you know, why are, why are the Jacksonville Jaguars and Leonard Fournette and McCaffrey and the Panthers and, you know, why are these teams as bad? Yes, it's a quarterback conversation with all these teams, but isn't some of it the Giants drafted Saquon Barkley number two overall so they feel obligated to run the offense through him. Isn't that part of it? Yeah, I, I think so. So isn't that, isn't that the, the concern with Christian McCaffrey? Now, Christian Could McCaffrey be. can catch 100 balls. So mm-hmm. I, I, to me, he's a different conversation. You can, take, you can still have a wide-open passing offense with a guy like McCaffrey in it. But I just feel like when you, especially when you pay the guy, right? Now, the Dallas Cowboys are doing the exact opposite for some reason. They've paid Ezekiel Elliott. He's got guaranteed money, and they're using him less than ever. I don't understand that. If you're going to pay the guy, use him. I mean, use the cow, man. Um, Especially running backs. I mean, we, that, we've seen how fast they can taper off. That's what I'm saying. Use him. If you, if you decide to pay him, use him. But that's the point I'm making here. If you go and pay McCaffrey, is the next coaching staff and whatever quarterback it is, Kyle Allen, I don't know, whoever it's going to be, are they going to feel like they have to move, you know, maneuver their offense to, to, to be a, a running offense first, a run-first offense uh, that scares me because I, I don't think those offenses are successful on a week-to-week basis in the NFL. And like I said, while having a running back doesn't make you bad, it, it's not a coincidence that all these high draft picks are on bad teams right now. It's not, it can't mm-hmm. be a coincidence. There are too many. It's like eight teams. It, it just can't be a coincidence. And I didn't include Sony Michelle and Rashad Penny because they're barely being used. They're late first-round picks. They're barely being used. I mean, Sony Michelle is, is a nothing for the Patriots. Rashad Penny is a, you know, he's, he's plug and play every couple of weeks. He gets some carries and now he's seriously hurt. So he's out of the conversation anyway, but the, you know, I'm talking about guys who have drafted top 20 is really what I'm talking about. Top 20 running backs in the draft. It just ain't worth it. It's just not worth it. Um, and we'll see. I mean, even, even the Josh Jacobs 
who are phenomenal running backs. The Raiders have turned for the worst. They're going to be terrible. They're going to be six and 10 possibly. Um, and it's because they're running the, I mean, look, they're running. The, they're, he gets, I've got him in three fantasy teams. He gets a ton of touches and that's why you love him from fantasy perspective. But I, I just wonder if that's the case. If you draft the running back as high as, as these guys are drafted, do you feel obligated then to run your offense through them? And in this day and age, I'm not sure that's successful. So that's where I am with, with Carolina signing McCaffrey. Like I said, I'm I'm hoping he's an outlier because he does catch a ton of balls. I mean, he's going to have, he's going to have historical stats at the end of this year. He's going to, he's got a chance. Did I see this right? He's got a chance to be a thousand thousand. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. He's at, uh, just over 700 receiving yards and 1200 rushing yards. So that's awesome. Yeah. He's definitely got, he's definitely got a chance, man. Yeah. He's fun. Oh, he is. All right. Let's talk bills. Another contender with interesting off season. Um, I spoke to about the bills a couple of weeks ago on this show. They've done a lot of things really well. Brandon Bean has that off front office really ticking right now. To me, one of the mistakes they made was Tyler Croft, a tight end. They brought in this past off season. He's been hurt. He was hurt in training camp. It took him forever to get on the field. He's never going to catch a lot of balls anyway. So he's going to be sort of a, a, a versatile converted tight tight end. He's going to be a blocking tight end. Well, you can get a blocking tight end anywhere, okay? And they've got two of them in the draft this year. So I uh, I just think they need to own up on, on that mistake and get rid of him next year. They can clear $5 million in cap, something you should just want to do anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, that's the one mistake that they that they should own up to this year. Uh, maybe you move on from a guy like Star Latule, who's a high-paid defensive tackle. Like I said, I've been, I've been railing on defensive tackles for years now. Um, if they did that, I wouldn't be surprised because they did draft Ed Oliver in the first round last year to sort of replace him going forward. <laughs> Outside of that, it's going to be money time soon. They've, they, can, they can stagger this thing well. I think they start this year with the cornerback, uh, Tredavious White, who is going to be among a list of Jalen Ramsey's and Marcus Peters, uh, maybe a couple others who reset their cornerback market. Um, I did a tweet yesterday that sort of showed then and now, 2009 versus 2019, the top average salary for each position. And I did it for all the sports, um, hockey, baseball, basketball, um, football. Um, with, with football, I did it from 2011 to 2019 because I wanted to be inside the CBA, the hard cap CBA. Um, otherwise, there'd be some inflated numbers. In 2009, uh, there was a $15 million cornerback. That is currently the, <laughs> the high mark for, for cornerbacks right now. Now, it's gone up and down a little bit. There's been some fluctuation but we are essentially where we were 10 years ago with the quarterback, with the cornerback position, I should say. Um, and from there, almost every other position has exponentially gone up in pay, which you would expect with a, you know, a cap that has risen hundred, $100 million since. So um, that's, a, that was a little shocking to me that, that to me, that is the one position that is dying for a market reset is the cornerback and Tredavious White's going to be at the top of that. He is the next iteration of Stefan Gilmore in Buffalo Stefan Gilmore was the rare unicorn that got a gigantic contract, free agent contract from the New England Patriots. It never happens, but it happened with Stefan Gilmore and it has paid off handsomely for them. I expect the Bills won't let, won't let this guy walk. Uh, it's going to be a big time contract in the $17, $18 million per year range. So due for a reset there for sure. That's going to be the Bills offseason extension, in my opinion. And then next year, Josh Allen. Next year, we've got a whole nother batch of quarterbacks. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, ready for... Uh, Ready for their big money. So we'll be back soon talking bills, of course. Uh, any thoughts to add there? 
No, I mean, it seems no brainer, right? Seems a no brainer. You have nine over yeah, 90 yeah. million in projected space. So I, yeah. I you, you kind of have to, at some point, uh, double down on the space that you've been accumulating over the last few years. Not recklessly, getting though. Rid of, yeah. No, no, but they have the space. So I think now's the time. If you know you have a player that you want to keep yep. and you you don't want to lose them to, say, the Patriots again, you, you have the space to do so. So, uh, I mean, in diehard Bills fans, we would love to see some of these guys stay for a few more years yeah. and, and, and have a team that is, uh, successful for more than one year. Yeah, so, I do think consistency uh, is a big part of this organization. So I, I, I expect, and not to mention this, Scott, this, this regime has yet to, uh, yet to pay anybody. And that's right. a big deal. I mean, you've got to show that the, the current players on your roster and the, and, the, and the players elsewhere that Buffalo is willing to pay. Uh, yeah, these last few years, they've done a really good job of bringing in free agents yeah, that at cost for that, for that for at, at cost yeah. that fit their process or their culture. And they've drafted really well. Yep. And they've done everything in between. So yeah, yeah a lot of these guys done the in-house stuff very well. It's time now to take care of those people though, because uh, right. that's the precedence you have to set now. And you start with, you start with Tredavious White. That's just, he's the next guy in line. You do it. Let's talk tight ends. Yeah, I, 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 go ahead. No, no, go ahead. We yeah. Can let's, move on. let's flip to tight ends. Another position that really needs a market reset financially. And there's a couple of good ones this year uh, who are going to get deals. Start, start with George Kittle. Um, mm. George Kittle. Yes. Uh, uh, maybe the most maybe the most exciting player in, in football. Nah, Lamar Jackson. He's up there though. He's he's probably a top five most exciting player in football. He has not been healthy, and he's still doing all world things out there for San Francisco. You you can understand just how important he is when he misses a game, and Jimmy Garoppolo had, doesn't know what to do with himself. Uh, he's going to get money. He's going to get big time money. The the the, the top deep dog right now financially for tight ends is Jimmy Graham at ten million, which is a deal he signed three years ago. So it's way behind right now in terms of, I mean, you've got a guy like Kittle is as important as any wide receiver on that team right now. So uh, financially speaking, I think it gets, it probably starts at 12 million for tight ends could go up even more. Like I said, another 10 million added to that salary cap and then a new CBA year after that, uh, you could really start to see the tight end position grow financially. I, I think probably Kittle comes in at 12 though, something along the lines of a five year, 60 million extension. Um, and then Austin Hooper, Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the right reaction to any, any Falcon <laughs> yeah. getting paid right now because that, it's been back-to-back -back bad years. Are you going to start the rebuild with with a tight end? I don't know. He's great. Uh, I just think maybe you let this one walk. I think Austin Hooper hits the free agent market, and that's exciting for some teams in need. That is, that's a big time uh, pass catching tight end right there that could hit the open market. And uh, boy, you know where where he's going, right? <laughs> I mean, what franchise, yeah. what franchise needs tight ends and uses tight ends better than the New England Patriots? So let's just put him right. in a jersey right now for 2020. Uh, rapid fire quarterbacks. Andy Dalton, stay or go? I think he stays. As a backup? Is he Joe Burrow's backup next uh, year? Is it an Eli Manning kind of situation? I think so. Yeah, I do too. Even, and I like it. it yeah, even and if for some reason, for crazy reason, they don't go burrow and they go whatever else just no, to let's stockpile. not even let's not even recommend that they do anything else go joe burrow 
even if they do that, <laughs> I'm going with he stays. Helps the kid. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Cam. Um, I think he goes. I don't. I don't. I don't know if it's the strong coffee I'm drinking, but I'm starting to really think that that it's a similar situation. I think Cam is probably the 2020 starter. I don't know if he keeps it all year. Um, I just think this what, next. What? This, I think this next coach comes in and says, "Why am I getting rid of this guy? <laughs> this guy was an MVP right. candidate two that years ago." Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. When now, he's healthy, but- he's outstanding. Uh, now maybe he just maybe he can't get back to full health. Maybe I mean that's something I don't know right now. But I just think at the end of the day. Cam Newton on a $19 million salary is pretty darn good. What's it cost to trade him? Like $2 million of dead cap. It's nothing. Mm, yeah. He, he's, absolutely, so, I mean, he's absolutely tradable. Look, at, there's going to be teams that want him. Um, Chargers, whatever. I mean, there's going to be teams out there. T- Tampa Bay. But I mean, w- I just what if they have to- a new coach that... Right. What if they have a new coach that comes in and says, man, I, we're in love with Allen. We want to stick with him, trade him and get an asset. I mean, I, I could see that happening. Yeah, you do it. I mean, from a business standpoint, it's it's a no brainer. But I just Cam's Cam. And when Cam is healthy, there's not really anybody really like him. So I, I think if he comes back to mini camp in June and he's 100 percent, whoever the coach is looks at this guy and says, why are we trying to get rid of this guy? <laughs> I want this guy. Um, Cause like, like you said, you've got, you've essentially got him on a one year, $19 million prove it deal is what you've got, which in the, in the grand scheme of quarterback money, isn't that bad at all. It's great. Actually. Uh, Matthew Stafford. Now let, let me preface this. He, they're definitely not releasing him and it's going to cost them. Let me, let me pull this up. So I'm, so I'm not, I'm not wrong. It's going to cost them. $26 million of dead cap in 2020 to trade him. So mm. they, they still save Ouch. five and a half million by doing that. They still save money, but that's the dead cap hit they take by trading him. Is he traded? I don't think so. I don't either, but I really want to believe that he's the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just to, really to, want that to happen. I, I, I don't know if this is the... NBA fan of me and all the movement, but I would love to see uh, yeah. a really good to elite quarterback get moved in some fashion and, you know, it just, it blows up whether it goes to, you know, it works. Philip Rivers work. gets moved or, you know, well, you want it Stafford to work though. Gets, you want it to work so that it happens more. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like it, it the movement that happens is offensive linemen or linebackers or secondary. You know, yeah. We don't, we don't see quarterbacks moved or you don't see teams take a risk and say, all right, instead of drafting uh yes, you want to have a 15 year quarterback, but we've seen, I'm not sure you quarterbacks do anymore. Inter- but you've, we've only seen it as a 50, 50 hit rate. So if it's a 50, 50 hit rate right. and why not go with the 50, the chance of, oh, we've seen Stafford. We've, we know that he, he can play. Maybe he just needs a new system around him or different wide receivers around him. And we've got them. Let's make a trade. I would love to see a team take a risk and, and try to, you know, put a package to get that kind of stuff. The lions project to have the fifth pick right now. Let me throw something at you. They keep Stafford who has, what is it? Four years left. 
three years left, three years and about 66 million left, 64 million left on that. Again, that's great starting quarterback money. He's 30, he'll be 32 next year, so not crazy. How about Tua Tonga Viola at number five overall? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give him the year to learn. The whole year. Don't rush him. We don't even yeah. need you. We the whole year. We just need you, you in, don't, in you a don't. sweatshirt and a clipboard. That's it. Yep. Learn, soak it all up. Yeah. Learn the system. Yeah, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I, I love it for any of these teams, uh, maybe even the Falcons, right? Aren't the Falcons kind of in the same boat with Matt Ryan right now? I mean, he's, he's a productive quarterback, and he's, he's been a good soldier on that team and taking him places. They've got to be thinking on the flip side at some point here. And when you've got a guy with, two, uh, with Tua's talent who just flat out isn't going to hit the field in 2020 most likely, right? Um, it's kind of the perfect scenario for a team that is – is considering transitioning in two years, but doesn't necessarily want to do that now. Uh, I just, I wonder if, I wonder if Tua finds himself on a much better team than he anticipates because of the scenarios we're talking about, because teams are anticipating turning over at some point soon, but don't necessarily need to do it in 2020. I keep an eye on that one. Uh, yeah. I but mean, I'm, we saw I'm, it with, uh, go ahead. We, uh, we saw it with Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. I mean, yeah. Kansas City, scenario. Alex Smith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're thinking that far ahead and you think and you like what you have right now, you don't really need to blow it up right now, which I'm not sure Detroit needs to blow it up. Uh, and look, Matthew Stafford's value has never been higher. He's missed three games. They've been terrible. I mean, they have been garbage, dumpster, terrible without him. He is. He has been the glue for that offense. There's no question. So it's crazy to be talking about him being traded. I just think greener grass for him and maybe time to just shake it up in Detroit a little bit, not rip it down completely, uh, just shake it up. And uh, we'll see. Definitely think no matter what, they should extend Kenny Galladay. That is the extension candidate I've got on this, mm. on this article. Uh, he's had a breakout year, kind of a breakout 18 months. Uh, he's a superstar. I think he's going to be the number one wide receiver on that offense, regardless of who's, who's the quarterback is. And uh, that seems like a no-brainer extension this offseason, especially with Marvin Jones getting older and older. Um, all right. Anyone else on this list kind of stand out? I don't want to go too long. You can certainly read it, mm. read the entire thing at spotrack.com. We've got it right on the homepage for you. We'll keep it there for a while. Yeah. The only thing that I would add to this is I think an interesting scenario will be Houston with yeah. – uh, you, you have – I have three extension candidates because I couldn't pick. Right. <laughs> Right. And, and one is one they uh, dropped two first round picks for in Laramie Tunsil. So I think they're interesting. They have the room with seven, a little over $77 million in projected space. But I mean, to get Watson, Tunsil, I, I think that team is interesting. I think with what you gave to get him, you uh, here's the problem. Kinda, here's the problem, though, Scott. They might go pretty far. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a team that could be sneaky good this postseason. So whatever, right. whatever valuation I have on these players now, I, I mean, if they go, if they're Super Bowl bound or AFC championship bound, look out, right? I mean, we, we're, we're kind of forgetting about Deshaun Watson with all this quarterback talk because Lamar and Mahomes have really kind of dominated the conversation so much. Deshaun's pretty darn good. Deshaun, I'm, I'm going to say this, Deshaun actually has a higher valuation than Patrick Mahomes right now on Spot Trek. Uh, he's mm-hmm. just been more consistent. I mean, Mahomes has been banged up this year. 
The numbers haven't really been there, and the consistency hasn't been there right now with Mahomes. Deshaun has sort of been the steady soldier this year, quietly. But if you get him on our national spotlight in the postseason, it's all going up. It's all going up. Here's the benefit. Laramie Tunzel has a fifth-year option next year, which means you don't need to pay him, but you probably right. should because you don't want to screw with your left tackle if you've got a franchise quarterback that also needs to be paid. Uh, I've got DJ Reader on here, by the way. Sneaky good season. Sneaky good season on defensive, defensive line. Uh, and he will be a free agent. Former fifth-round pick out of Clemson. He's not going to break the bank. I mean, no defensive tackle should anymore. So uh, get him done. Don't even think about that one, in my opinion. And then consider one, uh, probably one of the two. You probably, I, I don't think you should sign Tunzel and Watson this offseason, especially with everything I just said. If they do make a, a big run, Watson's going to be, well, here's the thing. Do you want to get Watson done before Mahomes? Or do you want to wait and let Patrick Mahomes reset that market? Because, <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, next year could be Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. If you if you're Watson, you want to wait. If you're Houston, right. you want to he get might not, You're out. right. You're right. He <laughs> might not. They might have a an internal young quarterbacks pack going right now, right? Like nobody signed first. We're all waiting this thing out, right? We're waiting mm-hmm. for the new CBA. We're waiting to see what happens. Um, it's very possible. I mean, that may be what all the agents are doing right now behind the scenes, basically saying <laughs> we got to see where this thing goes because yeah, f- you know, thirty-seven million a year sounds great, but if we can get it over forty, we're doing it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll have to see if uh, if anybody actually pulls the trigger on an extension from a player standpoint. Because, um, you know, the ones that Goff and Wentz aren't looking great right now. Let's, let's, let's not beat around that bush. Uh, let's, let's switch, go, because there is another quarterback who could get a contract, but I think is long for the franchise tag. Let's talk franchise tags. Our, our buddy Joe Cor- Corey has a nice, beautiful breakdown of projected franchise tag figures for every position next year, and it's based on the $200 million cap. Is that what he did? Yes. Yeah. All right. You've done some uh, comparative work here. In a 10-year span, the quarterback franchise tag has gone from $16.4 million to a projected $27 million next year. So it's good. It, that's a good increase. Uh, I still think it's low. Do you agree? I do. I think I'm it's surprised low. it's not closer. I'm surprised it's not closer to, to me, 30. To, well, I think it has to be. To me, if Dak Prescott gets tagged on 27, there's not a chance I'm signing it. There's not a chance I'm signing that because I know I'm worth $6 million more without even trying. Um, not, not to mention I'm worth you know, $50 million guaranteed right now, at least 60 really. I mean, if you're talking about a $27 million tag, you're taking that plus 120% of that, which is – back-to-back franchise tags, and you're at $63 million. That, that's the, gar- the guaranteed at signing minimum for a quarterback right now. That's what Dak Prescott should be, should be signing in a multi-year contract from a guaranteed standpoint. So there's no way to me Dak Prescott signs a one-year $27 million tag. Ryan Tannehill might. Ryan Tannehill might. Jameis Winston might uh, for a lot of reasons. But I don't think Dak, Pre- Dak Prescott even considers – he doesn't even look at the paper if he gets offered the franchise tag. Um, I just think it needs to be higher. I think it needs to be more in line with the, the top paid quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and this doesn't reflect that, in my opinion. Now, the increase is good, but I just don't think it's as high as... I don't think any of these tags are as high as they should be. Um, and I think that will be addressed in the CBA, if I had to guess. I think these they will be increased so that they're more enticing for a player's design you don't we don't want to have holdouts and this back and forth that we have every single year because players don't want to play on the tag make the tag worth it 
make the tag, make it harder to tag somebody. You know, the team has to, the team, the second you, a player signs a tag, the team has to have the ability, the, the cap space to, to afford that tag. So make it harder, make it harder for somebody to franchise tag a quarterback. 27 is high, but it ain't high enough in my opinion. Uh, any of these numbers stand out for you? Yeah. Yes. I mean, running backs didn't grow very much. 8.2 in 2010 to 10.3 in 2020. Yeah. So that, that was the one that did not grow. Wide most of these, doubled. Uh, most of them did double. Yeah. I mean, even punters and kickers doubled, doubled yeah. uh, from 10 in, in 10 years. So, I mean, which quarterbacks is fair, didn't, which is fair because it, the cap did too. Yeah. Quarterbacks didn't double, but like we just said, it probably should be higher. Yeah. Um, the 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 formula is different from what it used to it be is. in this new CBA. It, it's based on uh, average of the last five years and then a percentage. Where before that formula was the top five of the year, pre- year previous, and you took the average and did some other math. So the math shifted. I'm interested to see if the math shifts again in the new CBA. Why can't, why can't it just be a percentage of the cap? I agree. Why can't it be like the NBA because, where because look at if you're basing it on on individual contracts, those can be fudged however we want. Teams can do whatever they want to make those look how they you know how how they need. Those those are built to fit a team. Those aren't built to represent the league. You know what I mean? Right. So and you can still follow the same tiered here. Quarterbacks are X percent. Of course. Running backs are X percent. Of course. I mean, you still follow that same thing. That's how thing. we do it and when we value players. I mean, we right. We the top paid quarterback is about 18% of the of the league cap on an average a, a, annual salary. If it, if it needs to go to 20 if I'm saying it needs to go to 20, so be it. That's you know, that's fine. That's 40 million dollars on a 200 million dollar cap. That's about where we are anyway, right? So if the if the franchise tag is Fifteen percent of two hundred million dollars right now, doesn't that sound about right? Why can't they just do it? They can when the new CBA is written. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, think that has to happen. They, they, they have to wait till then. Um, but I, I think there has to be a, a shift. There's got to be a change. And I mean, we've seen leagues go to this percentage based. I mean, NBA is. I mean that. That was their big thing. All their exceptions are based on a percentage of the cap. The rookie scale goes yeah. up based on percentage of the cap. Everything is based on a percentage of that cap. I think in the NFL, they've they've got to get to that point. The only, but the only, the only difference, Scott, the glaring difference between the, the two are that the NFL don't have max contract percentages. You can do whatever right, the heck but you I, want. I think at least as a starting point, getting the franchise tags on a percent. I mean, they have done a, a percentage with the rookie scale, but I think the next step is at least getting franchise tags in there. And then maybe the, maybe a max entity percentage. Nah, I'm not there. But I don't know if, I, I don't know if the NFL will, will yeah, I, get I there. I don't, ever, I don't vote there. for that. I don't vote for that. If somebody wants to pay a running back $17 million a year, do it right. Yeah, I agree. I'm not saying it's, uh, the best scenario. I'm just giving a comparison. I mean, I would love in the NBA to be able to see someone make me too. 55, 60 million in one year. If you want, if a team wants to give it to them, then so be it. Yeah, I wonder how uh, much Kawhi could have got if that was the case. You know Kawhi, what I mean? Grant pre-injury. Yeah. Um, I mean, LeBron. even LeBron <laughs> yeah. back in his, I mean, I, I, I would have, I'd love to see that, but, um, yeah, it's not the case. So, Okay. Yeah. I mean, none, none of these numbers 
stand out too much. Cornerbacks are high. Cornerbacks are cornerbacks are sixteen million. If you're going to franchise tag a quarterback, a cornerback, I don't believe that's going to be the case with with really anybody this year. Um, you know, the wide receiver is going to be north of eighteen million. That's that's big. That's big time stuff. Uh, is that what Amari Cooper is going to get? Dak Prescott twenty seven million. Amari Cooper eighteen point two five ish. We'll see. That, that's a well, tough name call. that a name that jumps out here in, in Joel's article is AJ Green. I know you've talked about <laughs> Bengals moving on from him. Do you do you see them tagging him? What, that, for what? To make Joe Burrow's life easier? Is it essentially like the Larry Fitzgerald scenario in Arizona? Is that what what you'd be doing? Why don't you just give him a two for twenty? He's done right. nothing. He hasn't hit the field. He and and he was he was solid last year when he was healthy, but he, he's been he's been banged up for the better part of three years now. I, I, I think it's reckless to throw 18 million at him. They certainly can do it from a cap and cash standpoint, but that's, that's their other weapons aren't, aren't half bad. This Alex Erickson kids, decent Tyler Boyd's decent. I, mm-hmm. I, I probably time to move on in my opinion from, from AJ green. All right. My last question here. Um, what's the difference between a franchise tag and the transition tag? Yeah, Very little, very little. One is, one is one. The transition tag is can you can have offer sheets essentially. Um, it ha, it's just not being used. It's got to go in the next CBA. It's completely useless. Restricted free agency has taken a point, uh, taken a big step up, and it, this is essentially the same thing with with just the slotted value it's assigned to it. Um, it's got to go away because for the for this reason, I think restricted free agency is way more fun. <laughs> it just is. I look at Austin Eckler, uh, Kareem Hunt. Those are big time restricted free agents this year. Uh, if they don't get extensions in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be sheet, there's going to be an offer sheet on Austin Eckler, right? Oh, it's, absolutely. It, Patriots for sure, right? Oh, definitely. I, mean, I that, would definitely that is the see them perfect going after Patriot, him. perfect Patriot, and they are they are a team that offer sheets. They've 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 yanked players out of Buffalo here locally. Uh, they've done it a few times now. Uh, I think. I think that's to me that's exciting. The transition tag it couldn't be more complicated, couldn't be more boring. Uh, you've already got your massive franchise tags, uh, which come with draft pick compensation. Of course, the transition tags do not. In terms of you know signing a guy away from a franchise tag, uh, there's just too much to deal with right now. Let's just you know in my quick uh, old man on the on the porch rant here. Let's increase the rookie wage scale. Let's increase franchise tags. Let's make them only percentage-based and not based on other people's uh, average salaries or contracts. Let's remove compensatory draft picks. Let's, what else are we talking about here? Let's get rid of the transition tag. I had one more. Reduce the draft draft from seven rounds. Uh, (laughs) That that might be coming. Let's get rid of the two-week gap at, at the Super Bowl. We only need one now. Radio Row is dead. We don't need Radio Row anymore. It's dead. Um, we're all sitting in our underwear doing these radio shows anyway. Um, okay, that's good. Other than that, <laughs> other than that, NFLs get pretty much got it figured out. Um, you know, they are they are a twelve month system right now. As <laughs> since you know we were talking about next year already on December twelfth. So, all right, let's uh, let's wrap it there, Scott. Sounds great. All right, my thanks to Scott Allen, uh, talking some NFL, going through. Like I said, we've got that entire uh, extension bubble article on live on SpotTrack.com right now. Oh, Scott, you still there? Yes, I am. One more bit of news to get out there. 
we have recently launched 20, was it, is it how, how many, 40 years of PGA golf data? Since 1980. Yeah, 40 years. 40 years of PGA data. Every, every PGA tournament, every player's earnings, score, their scores as well? Scores as well. Score, yeah, tournament by tournament scores. Uh, we've got some cumulative and average stats for all the players on their profile play, page, but you can go to spotrack.com slash PGA and view uh, all the updated earnings right up to this past weekend, right? The Hero World Challenge. And we'll have Correct. the President's Cup information in as soon as that becomes available. But we've, uh, Scott's been working hard on this. We've got a lot of data pulled in and we'll continue to, to manage that. But that is the, uh, the newest baby birds on spot track this week and that's live for you now so thanks to scott for all his work on that thanks to morgan stanley thanks to the athletic we'll be back next week with another edition of the spot track podcast